Um, I'm just delighted that we've got Tim and Pippa here to uh, speak to us and share with us this morning. Um, they are known to many of us, but if you don't know who they are, um, I just want to give you a brief introduction, then I'm going to hand over to them. So these guys, do you want to come up anyway, and then people can see you? Um, these guys have been known to us, to the vineyard for many, many years, actually, in and around a number of vineyard churches, and part of our congregation for several years. Um, they are wonderful people, and um, they started this wonderful organization, Caris Kids, a number of years ago, which I'm sure they're going to tell you about, so I'm not going to tell you about it, just to say um, that it's a fantastic partnership that many of us in the church are involved in, um, in different ways, um, supporting orphans uh, and families in Uganda. Um, and today, at the end of their talk, there is an opportunity for us to give, and they will explain more about that specifically. But they're here to preach and share with us this morning, and so we're delighted that you're here. Why don't you welcome them? And... Um, I'm going to pray for them and then they're going to crack on. Is that all right? Great. So, Father, I just want to thank you for both Tim and Pippa for their uh, fantastic and wonderful journey, uh, the, the, all the different things they've done, and particularly for their, the way that they started Caris Kids. And so many of us are involved in different ways. Um, thank you that they're here today um, to share your heart with us. And we pray for them as they speak and for us as we receive and hear. Um, that all that you want to say and do in, 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 our, in our midst this morning, uh, you would do. And we bless them uh, as they speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Great. You. Thank you. Can you hear me all right? Um, lovely. It's so nice being here. Really great. And so good to really um, know God's presence here this morning. And as Joe prayed... Um, I think we all agree we need God. We need him so much. We are nothing and we can achieve nothing without him. So as Tim and I speak, please just keep your hearts hungry. Keep listening to the Lord. Um, We're going to speak on God's heart for the poor. So ask him, and I am too, ask him to, to really renew our hearts and help us share in something very precious, something that's very dear to him. It's also, um, I'm going to remind you about the wonderful partnership that exists between WinVin and Karis Kids. For some of you, this will be familiar, and I'm looking around and I see many faces of uh, people who've been part of this journey for many years, which is fantastic. I'm also aware there'll be some new people who probably haven't heard anything or not much at all about Karis Kids so far. But whether you're new to it or whether you've traveled quite a few years uh, with Karis, um, let's all be listening. Let's all just really ask God to, to share that precious thing. And there'll be a chance for all of us to respond at the end in helping care for some of the, the world's neediest, poorest people. So I'm going to show a few slides, which is a bit of an overview um, to illustrate the journey and the partnership so far. Can you see this all right, or do we need lights off? Is it all right? Because I've got quite a few slides. So the story starts in Uganda. Um, by virtue, really, of the fact that that is where sub-Saharan Africa is where so many of the world's orphans are found um, due to unfortunately, due to AIDS, really, over the last 20 years has been um, really it's, a, it's an unprecedented time in history when there's so many orphans. Um, and 
almost a whole generation of parents have been wiped out. There's also other diseases which in our country we can prevent or treat out there. They're also killers. Um, but as you see from the slide that less than half, uh, uh, sorry, the population, half the population is less than 15 years old. So there's so many orphan kids there. And that's really where the journey started, seeing the need. Um, and it was at a time where there was a lot of work being done with orphanages and there was a lot of NGO-type work being done that was bypassing churches out there. And uh, we realized, and we, we, from the beginning, teamed up with uh, a guy some of you might know, Bishop Zach from Kampala. And, you know, he shared his heart that really the need was for there to be something done that really worked with the Ugandan church out there and addressed the needs of a whole family, that within the family setting is where an orphan would most thrive. And so Karis is based on that psalm, verse in Psalm 68, that God sets the lonely in families. If they're lucky, um, orphans like this... Uh, might have the might grow up with the help of an extended relative. So this is actually the the Ugandan link family that my own Pepiat family is linked to. Um, Aunt Daphne is just a little bit off the side. I think we've, Tim and I have taken over there but it was on one of our, our initial visits there and Aunt Daphne has taken on the care of five non-biological kids they're all her extended relatives nephews and nieces Daphne is the only one of her generation to survive they've all died from AIDS um, she's taken on the care of five nephews and nieces and also one abandoned baby so so often we find in these carers of, of the families that they are so sacrificially giving they're so caring but they're just very limited in their resources without the help of caris and the help of you guys supporting them they really a lot of them would not survive they certainly wouldn't be thriving they wouldn't be in schools and they wouldn't be doing as well as they are so these families live in the slums of Kampala. Point it in the right direction. Um, they fall in the 10% of the world's uh, neediest people who live in absolute poverty. Now the slums are just a very uh, high-density place. The, the, the homes are tightly packed. Most of them are only one room. And within that room, the entire fam family would eat, sleep, live and sleep. You know, it's, it's quite unbelievable. There's usually no electricity, certainly no toilets or running water. And you can imagine that uh, diseases spread quite rapidly in these conditions. The sanitation is not good. Often you see open sewers like... Um, did we get the open yeah, like this, running right next to the, the houses. Um, so there's a problem with things like cholera and dysentery and things like that. But there's also joyful times. The kids still find great ways to amuse themselves as you go around. You'll see also some happy faces. So we'll explain a little bit more about the practicalities of Karis Kids shortly. But in a nutshell... It's Families for Orphans, and within that we partner a church here in the UK with a church in Uganda whose parish um, covers the slum areas. 
and within the churches, it's then a family unit here in the UK linked to a family caring for non-biological kids in the slums of Kampala. So, Winvin is partnered with St. John's in Kamwachia. Um, so, yes, its parish has got a lot of the, the sort of slum area. And actually, it's been really great to hear the testimony of the church members and the church leaders over the years saying how much the ministry has helped them to make an impact into their communities. You know, it's one thing just to preach the gospel and say the gospel is for the poor, but actually you need to back that up. You need to be able to practically show God's love and practical care. And so it's really given them a means to reach out and make an impact and bring hope to their communities. So that's been fantastic. The church leader of St. John's is a lovely guy called Stephen Galenga, who sends his greetings, and they are so thankful for the partnership with you here at Winven. And right from the inception of Caris Kids, I'm going back one actually, sorry. Um, right from the inception, Winvin has been there and been involved. And actually, I could go as far as saying without Winvin, Kara's kids probably wouldn't be in being because, you know, it's been the support and the backing right from the first uh, day that, that the Lord spoke to us about it. So it's been great to journey together with you and to see such fruit there in Uganda because of you. Uh, this is a very old, this shows how many years, you'll probably see one of two of yourselves looking at, uh, slightly younger, uh, from a board of, of nearly 10 years the journey's been. So nearly 10 years ago when, when Hugh and Ginny were here. Um, this is just some of the Link families from within the church. Others have been involved through, who might not be Link families, but they've been involved through some of our prayer breakfasts or our Caris teas or maybe fundraising or maybe you've come out and helped on a, a summer camp. Uh, so there's many ways to get involved. And the church, one of the ways the church has really been great in supporting Karis is right from the beginning, Winvin has um, supported Ketra. Ketra is the lovely lady in the middle. She's from a social work and business background, and she is the Karis project director in Kampala. Does an amazing job. She's flanked by her two main uh, team members out there, Solome and Stephen. And they do an incredible job. It's one of the most challenging jobs, working with some of these uh, broken people with broken lives in the slums, so many challenges, so much heartbreak, uh, so many problems every day, and yet somehow they really know God's grace in it. And as you can see, they've retained such a great sense of humor. Uh, so they're a fantastic team to have. And then a couple of years ago, Nigel came out and um, he met the staff out there. He met the diocese of Kampala we work with. He saw the project firsthand. He spoke at St. John's, got everyone singing and dancing. Um, and uh, yeah, he even had the joy of meeting his own family. And really, that is one of the things at the heart of Karis Kids. It's not just about a project where we give. It's very relational. It's a way where you can give to some of the, the world's poor, but in a way which is real, it's relational, it's accountable. So, you know, we do encourage 
relationship, we encourage praying for each other, writing, and just learning from each other, sharing lives. I'll say a bit more about Karis shortly. I'm going to hand over to, to Tim at this point. We're playing a bit of tag team today. I'll leave that for you. So I wanted to just quickly bring you a scripture, but first to say it is great to be with you. Winvin Win Win family, thank you for having us. And it really is good to see you all again. We're very um, blessed to be here. I mean that. Um, we've already talked about it today, but I think we're all feeling a bit... We've been through the ringer this week, can't we, with all the election stuff and all the noise, and we're all a bit fed up with all the political noise. And whether you're peeved or pleased with the result, you're probably like me, just a bit tired of it all. Well, I want to uh, bring you a scripture today that I think is very timely and very helpful for us today, whatever you think about um, the election result this week. The scripture is uh, Luke chapter 4 and verses 18 and 19. And let me just read it out for us today. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. This was Jesus speaking. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now this was Jesus' manifesto speech. This was his inaugural speech at the start of his public ministry. This is Jesus saying, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And let's just forget about all the political stuff that's happened this week. And let's just focus on this for the next 10 minutes. This is a reminder of Jesus' priorities and therefore our priorities for living. If you're a Christian here today, you committed yourself to three things. You committed yourself to Christ, his church, and his cause. And if you're not a Christian here today and you're thinking of becoming a Christian, this is what your commitment will, will be. It will be to Jesus, his cause, and his church. And uh, as his followers today, his manifesto is our manifesto. And the challenge for us today, I think, is are these empty words? Or for us, will they have some substance and some meaning in our lives? Jesus' manifesto. And I just want to make three quick points from verse 18. The priorities in Jesus' manifesto, the power to pursue those priorities, and some practical steps that we can take so that we can follow through with those priorities. His priorities, power, and some practice. So number one, Jesus' priorities. And if you look at verse 18, it's just so simple the poor. He goes on to talk about prisoners, the blind, the oppressed, but his number one priority is the poor. 
Now, why? Well, this is just summarizing, actually, God's heart in the Old Testament. If you read the Old Testament, you see that God's heart is especially drawn to three groups of people. Orphans, widows, and foreigners. Repeatedly through the Old Testament, God emphasizes those three people. Why? Because he cares about people who are poor. In the Old Testament, widows, orphans, and foreigners were financially poor. They were dependent on other people. There was no welfare state, no NHS, no social housing. And just like it is for us today, money equals power. If you don't have money, you've got no power to make any choices with your life. And God's heart's always been for the vulnerable, for the needy, for those who depend on other people. And so he cares about the poor. And Jesus says right at the start of his life, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to care for the poor. And this proclamation of good news, this um, declaration of God's love, is meant to be a very practical thing. It's not just words. Deeds often speak louder than words, don't they? And modelling on God's own behaviour, he didn't just say, I love you, world. He gave his most precious he gave his son as part of his proclamation of good news. So I think that's a challenge for us today. We mustn't just say, oh, God loves you. We must actually do God loves you. God really cares about the poor, and he wants us to do the same. And this um, manifesto that you see here is, is not it's not for us to impress God. It's a reminder that God saved us for good works, yes. But it's not to impress him. We are very attractive to God already. We don't do good works as some sort of spiritual foundation cream for our spots and blemishes. Jesus has taken away all of our shame. All of our shame. We can't impress God at all. He absolutely loves us totally. But... The world needs our good works. God doesn't need them, the world does. That's what we've been saved for. And one of the hidden blessings about giving is that we come to discover that actually God, for some reason, has chosen to love the world's poor with us, through us. And as we journey that journey with him, our relationship with him is strengthened. It's a hidden blessing. Now, this poverty is spiritual. We're spiritual beings. That's the way God made us. He made us for a relationship with him. He is spirit. If we're separated with him, we're separated from him, we're spiritually poor. It's spiritual. It's also emotional. It's loneliness. It's isolation. It's separation from God's family. But primarily, in the Bible, poverty is material. So God really cares about empty stomachs. He cares about poor health outcomes. He cares about people having an education and an opportunity. He cares about the women who have no sanitary products. He cares about people who have got nowhere to live, no toilet. He cares about those things. Now, I've been um, blessed, hugely blessed, to be around the vineyard, be part of the vineyard, for quite a long time now. Um, back in the early 1980s, 
I went out to visit John Wimber's church in Anaheim, which was the Mummy Vineyard Church, and it was booming. And it was famous for two things, worship and compassion. They had an amazing ministry to the poor. And the church in Anaheim planted a church in London, which planted Winchester Vineyard. So that church in Anaheim is your spiritual grandmummy church. And the DNA in the vineyard is worship and compassion. And I put it to you today that you're, part of your core identity is caring for the poor. It's compassion. That's who you are. I want to remind you of that today. And I mean, isn't it special that God has started a, a, a movement of churches to spread around the world who are called to bring worship and compassion to the whole world? And you're part of that. Isn't that amazing? I think that's special. It's part of your DNA. So number one, God's priority is the poor. Number two, power to achieve this. Now look at what Jesus says here. He says, the Holy Spirit is on me. Why? Because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And Jesus, interestingly, points away from himself towards the Holy Spirit, who's the source of his power. You might remember that Jesus has just been baptized in the Father's love. He's just been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's driven him, compelled him off into the desert for a time of testing with the devil. And he comes back and the Bible says he returns in the power of the Holy Spirit. Power to love. Power to preach good news to the poor. And the first fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives is what? It's love. The Holy Spirit is the one who actually enables us to loosen a grip on our wallets or to to have the power to make a right choice and then stick with it. And all of us in this room, if we have more of the Holy Spirit living and working in our lives, we'll all be more loving and attentive and practically caring for the poor. Every single one of us will. The Holy Spirit anoints us today to care for the poor, practically. And just as Joe was expressing that deep longing and desperation for God today, that's just what we need. We need the Holy Spirit. We need him to anoint us to care for the poor. It will revive compassion fatigue. It will revive, he will revive burnout. He will just change our very weak natural abilities into flowing with his supernatural love. So number one, priority of the poor. Number two, power to achieve this is freely given by the Holy Spirit. And let me just share with you three simple, practical steps that I found helpful. Number one, give to God first. Don't give to him the crumbs at the end of the cereal packet. Don't give to him if you've just got a little bit, end at the, a little bit left at the end of the month not sure I can afford to give this month. Well, let's see what happens at the end of the month and look at the bank balance. That's not good. Let's give to God what he deserves. It's the first portion of the cereal. 
not the crummy bits at the end that we don't really want. Number two, get some practical advice for someone who's got some grey hair and who's wise. There's a few of you around. I'll go for the wisdom rather than the grey hair. But I've, I've spoken with Edward here to get some practical financial advice about my choices that I make for life. And some wise older people will help you not settle yourselves with debt that will be a problem, a bad choice that will be a problem for you, that will limit your ability to be generous to the poor. So please speak to your brothers and sisters. Speak to people who are older and wiser than you and get some advice. Number three, be thankful. A thankful heart is a generous heart. Now, uh, if you're like me, you've got the natural tendency to compare yourself with other people. And sometimes in our society of bling and benefits of celebrities and homeless people, we get a bit thinking, well, am I poor? Am I rich? There's always someone richer than me. Sometimes I feel poor. And you think, what's going on? Um, It's often a question of perspective. And the other day, I went online. You can do this if you want. There are a number of little sites you can go on which ask the question, "How, how wealthy am I? And there's a thing called the World Wealth Calculator. And I, I, t- I, I tapped in, well, suppose I own 30,000 quid a year. That might be a lot, that might be a little to some of you here. It tells me that I'm in the wealthiest 1.4% of people in the whole world. It tells me that there are 6.5 billion people less wealthy than me. And I'm 79, wealth, 79 times wealthier than a billion people. Wow. And you know, um, one thing I often do, you might smile at this, is at my work, I often have to use a public loo. And uh, this public loo is not always in the most pristine condition. But I've been to Kampala, and I've been to the slums, and I've visited people who don't have a loo, and I've been to about the one loo that exists for 30,000 people in that slum, and it makes me grateful for being able to use a toilet. Even if it's a mucky toilet, I think, thank you, Lord, this toilet's amazing. I do. Thank you, Lord. So it's sometimes a question of perspective. But keep a thankful heart, because a thankful heart is a generous heart. So that's what I want to leave you with today. God's priorities for the poor. He gives us power to fulfill those priorities and there are some sensible practical steps that we can take to be sensible stewards of of what God's given us will we uphold Jesus's manifesto promises and priorities today now Pip's going to tell us a bit more about Karis Kids but let me tell you one thing I love about Karis Kids is that it hits three of God's bullseyes with one shot Widows, orphans, and foreigners. Love. Thanks, Tim. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to now tell you how practically Karis Kids um, 
ministers to the poor in these ways a little bit more. So we've talked about the um, church-to-church, family-to-family model and uh, breaking that down. Uh, the families within the churches of the UK can be just a nuclear family um, or it can be a couple of families together or it can even be a home group. Basically, there's an... (laughs) It's probably quite old picture. In fact, yes, I think Will is looking slightly older (laughs) and bushier than that one. Um, But it's any combination of... um, people this end to make a sort of family unit that can provide £52 a month that's gift-aided and who will commit to pray and correspond to that Ugandan family who's caring for the non-biological kids within their family unit in the slums of Kampala within that church parish. So um, that's how it works on a family level. And that £52... um, it's 60. Oh, sorry, this is because I took this old slide. It's 62 now, sorry, inflation. But uh, good job we're all in a generous place at the moment. 62 pounds. Um, that actually is, is not an all-inclusive amount. We really want to keep the carers incentivized to work in their small jobs. They're, they're limited how much they can earn. But, you know, to really keep them motivated to be earning rent, to be sort of contributing also to food and some of the education and that sort of thing is really important because we're not trying to make them fully dependent. But this amount uh, provides enough food each month just so that we know they will not starve. We know that there's there's a certain level of nutrition um, that's going to be provided for the families. So once a month, uh, food parcels are delivered to the different churches. And this is great because this is... um, actually in the areas now the families themselves have organized the distribution of it in a very fair and organized way it's great when they take control and everything's done in a very thankful way again there's often a a real sort of spontaneous thanksgiving service to god and um, a lot of joy as you can see there um, as the food parcels go back to their families Education-wise, it pays for primary school education out there. And the extra bills, the the exams, the uniforms, um, the lunches, the the school shoes, things like this, which would stop a a child normally getting to school. And it pays, very importantly, for medical costs. So each of our families are registered with the local medical clinic and they have photo IDs and it's a good system so that when they're ill, they can actually get help. Um, we also do healthcare sessions. And um, what's, one of the things that's been so great to see is how the health has generally improved over the years. Um, and so actually our budget that goes towards health uh, has, has well, less is needed to be spent um, when a family's been on board for a few years, which is a really positive thing. Also, we... Um, give clothes contributions, we give soap, mosquito nets, bunk beds, things like this. So that's the sort of, uh, from a financial point of view, the sort of help that we provide. Um, and then, yeah, we each, these are going too fast, but we'll carry on anyway. Uh, yeah, this is the camp, summer camp, which is one of the highlights of the year for the, the youth age 9 to 19 in each of the families. There's about 300 plus uh, kids that go off for an annual or now a biannual camp, which um, 
biannual, once every two years, whatever you call that. Uh, yeah, that's, that's been a real highlight of the year. So we currently support over 700 Ugandans in over 100 families. And uh, I'll read these stats because I got them recently. 109 children in secondary, as well as 190 in primary school. And one of the things I'm really excited about is we're just beginning to see our first Karis children through university, which is almost unheard of for a child from the slums to get to university. We have another fall there at the moment. So it's really exciting that, um, to see sort of these barriers being broken. We also have 24 Karis youth in vocational training out there at the moment. So we've... Um, Prayed, been praying a lot as trustees, and in Winvin we have Kathy O'Connor and we have the wonderful Edward Law, who's our treasurer. Um, so do speak to them if you want to know more. But we've been praying as trustees about, you know, having had families on board for a few years now. When families are living in absolute poverty below the, the poverty line, they need a certain amount of aid just to get them strong enough and healthy enough and well enough to really go from the mindset of how do I survive today? Where's my next meal coming from? To, okay, now I can start thinking of tomorrow. And so bringing in more of that development um, side of things. And that's really where we're now focusing. How do we increasingly help the families become self-sustaining? And to this end, we are um, focusing on the education and the training and trying to get youth now better established in jobs. And we've, we've got a coined a phrase called the focus child in each family. So our staff, who know the family so, so well, have really looked carefully at all the kids and the youth within the families and decided, made a plan for who's the one with the most potential, uh, who's got the most diligence, who's, who's you know, really motivated, and to, to really try and see them through to a high level of education or training and then trying to get them established in, in work. And um, we're calling that the focus child. So really where we're at the moment is, is trying to fundraise for an education and training fund. We're looking at getting the churches over there more fully involved in mentoring, in careers advice, um, things we take for granted, you know, our kids who grow up in our families are used to a certain level of discipline, of doing homework, of turning up on time, of looking smart, of, of persevering. You know, lots of ways we take things for granted, which kids growing up in the chaos of the slum communities with the backgrounds they have, they just need this extra support, this extra training. So this is the whole area we're, we're looking at. We really value your prayers in this. Um, I'd say prayers more than anything, actually, to really see these kids come through. I think I might have shown a slide which talked about the low employment rates in Uganda. Um, so the, the competition there to get jobs which earn enough, which are secure enough, is high. And every year that a child is in secondary education adds a great potential to their, to their securing jobs and their earning. 
I think it was 10 to 15 percent more, particularly for women um, as well, to, for the girls to be able to get employment. So it's, I can't emphasize enough how much this, this education, how valuable it is to them. So there's going to be an opportunity now um, to give. Secondary school and vocational training is four times more expensive than primary, and that's uh, really where we're needing a little bit of, of financial injection um, to raise money for this. So this is the different ways um, to give. I think we'll leave this slide up. There's also going to be some envelopes. Is that right in the offering baskets in a moment? Um, you're going to talk about that, are you? Great. I'm done. I'm done. Why don't we well, first of all thank you, Tim? Thank you to Tim and Pippa for sharing with us today. We're really grateful that you came. And um, I just want to explain a couple of things, and then Paul's gonna. We're gonna have the band back. We're gonna have an offering. Okay. Um, as Pippa already said, uh, we many of you have been involved in this. Some of you. Um, as families, and we, we do this, we actually share it with another family, so we do half the money and they do the other half of the money, and that's how it works. So even if you haven't got enough to give £62 a, a month, you know, you could get together with two or three families and, and make that up. So that's entirely possible. And if you want to um, talk about that, probably Edward is the best person to speak to if you want to pursue that kind of a response, okay, like getting involved um, with families. But over and above that, this church was part of um, the inception of Caris Kids. And uh, out of our general mission budget, every year we give um, enough to pay uh, Ketra's salary. You'd be really surprised how little that is compared to a salary over here, but it's enough um, um, to pay her wages um, each year. So we do that anyway. And then once a year we do this, which is what we're going to do now, which is to give you an opportunity to give uh, anybody here to give over and above that. Um, we've, what, what it used to be that we would give for the camp every year. And then over the last two or three